Chapter Thirty Six of the Valley of the Giants. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Valley of the Giants by Peter B. Kine. Chapter Thirty Six. At eleven o'clock Saturday night, the deputy United States Marshal arrived in Sequoia. Upon the advice of Buck Ogilvy, however. He made no attempt at service that night, notwithstanding the fact that Jules Rondeau and his bullies still guarded the crossing. At eight o'clock Sunday morning, however, Bryce Cardigan drove him down to the crossing. Buck Ogilvy was already there with his men, superintending the erection of a huge derrick close to the heap of obstructions placed on the crossing. Sexton was watching him uneasily and flushed as Ogilvy pointed him out to the marshal. "'There's your meat, marshal,' he announced. The marshal approached and extended towards Sexton a copy of the restraining order. The latter struck it aside and refused to accept it, whereupon the deputy marshal tapped him on the shoulder with it. "'Tag! You're out of the game, my friend,' he said pleasantly. As the document fluttered to Sexton's feet, the latter turned to Jules Rondeau. "'I can no longer take charge here, Rondeau,' he explained. "'I am forbidden to interfere.' "'Jules Rondeau can do ze job,' the woods boss replied easily. "'Ze law, she have not restrained me. "'I guess maybe so you don't take those things away, eh, huh, Monsieur Cardigan? "'Myself, I like see.' The deputy marshal handed Rondeau a paper, at the same time showing his badge. "'You're out, too, my friend,' he laughed. "'Don't be foolish and try to buck the law. If you do, I shall have to place a nice little pair of handcuffs on you and throw you in jail. And if you resist arrest, I shall have to shoot you. I have one of these little restraining orders for every able-bodied man in the Laguna Grande Lumber Company's employ, thanks to Mr. Ogilvy's foresight, so it is useless to try to beat this game on a technicality. Sexton, who still lingered, made a gesture of surrender. "'Dismiss your crew, Rondo,' he ordered. "'We're whipped to a frazzle.' A gleam of pleasure, not unmixed with triumph, lighted the dark eyes of the French-Canadian. "'I told Monsieur Sexton she cannot fight Monsieur Cardigan and win,' he said simply. "'Now maybe he believed that Jules Rondeau knows something.' "'Shut up!' Sexton roared petulantly. Rondeau shrugged contemptuously, turned, and with a sweep of his great arm indicated to his men that they were to go. Then, without a backward glance to see that they followed, the woods boss strode away in the direction of the Laguna Grande mill. Arrived at the mill office, he entered, took down the telephone, and called up Shirley Sumner. "'Mademoiselle,' he said, "'Jules Rondeau speaks to you. I have for you ze good news. Bryce Cardigan, she puts in the crossing today.' One man of the law, she comes from San Francisco with papers, and Monsieur Sexton say to me, Rondeau, we are whip. 
Dismiss your men. So I have dismissed those men, and I now dismiss myself. Maybe so, by and by, I go to work for Monsieur Cardigan. For Mademoiselle, I have no wish to make trouble to fire me. I quit. I will not fight those dirty fights some more. Au revoir, Mademoiselle. I go. And without further ado, he hung up. "'What's this? What's this?' Sexton demanded. "'You're going to quit?' "'Nonsense, Rondeau. Nonsense!' "'I will have my time, monsieur,' said Jules Rondeau. "'I go to work for a man. Maybe so I am not Wood's boss for him, but I work.' "'You'll have to wait until the colonel returns, Rondeau.' "'I will have my time.' said Jules Rondeau, patiently. "'Then you'll wait till payday for it, Rondeau. You know our rules. Any man who quits without notice waits until the regular payday for his money.' Jules advanced until he towered directly over the manager. "'I told monsieur I would have my time,' he repeated once more. "'Is monsieur deaf in the ears?' He raised his right hand, much as a bear raises its paw. His blunt fingers worked a little, and there was a smoldering fire in his dark eyes. Without further protest, Sexton opened the safe, counted out the wages due, and took Rondeau's receipt. "'Thank you, monsieur,' the woods boss growled as he swept the coin into his pocket. "'Now I work for Monsieur Cardigan.' So, monsieur, I will have the switch engine with two flat cars and the wrecking car. Those damn trash on the crossing, monsieur Cardigan does not like, and by gar, I take him away. You understand, monsieur? I am Jules Rondeau, and I work for monsieur Cardigan. La la, monsieur. The great hand closed over Sexton's collar. Not the pistol. "'No, not for Jules Rondeau.' Quite as easily as a woman dresses a baby, he gagged Sexton with Sexton's own handkerchief, laid him gently on the floor, and departed, locking the door behind him and taking the key. At the corner of the building, where the telephone line entered the office, he paused, jerked once at the wire, and passed on, leaving the broken ends on the ground. In the roundhouse he found the switch-engine crew on duty, waiting for steam in the boiler. The withdrawal of both locomotives, brief as had been their absence, had caused a glut of logs at the Laguna Grande landings, and Sexton was catching up with the traffic by sending the switch-engine crew out for a one-train load, even though it was Sunday. The crew had been used to receiving orders from Rondeau, and, moreover, they were not aware of his recent action. Hence, at his command, they ran the switch engine out of the roundhouse, coupled up the two flat cars and the wrecking car, and backed down to the crossing. Upon arrival, Jules Rondeau leaned out of the cab window and hailed Bryce. "'Monsieur,' he said, "'do not bother to make ze derrick. I have here ze wrecking car, all you need.' 
Pretty soon we lift him off the crossing. I tell you, eh, Monsieur Cardigan? Bryce stepped over to the switch engine and looked up at his late enemy. By whose orders is this train here? he queried. Mine, Rondeau answered. Monsieur Sexton, I have tie like one little pig and lock her in her office. I work now for Monsieur. And he did. He waited not for a confirmation from his new master, but proceeded to direct operations like the born driver and leader of men that he was. With his late employer's gear he fastened to the old castings in the boiler, lifted them with the derrick on the wrecking car, and swung them up and around onto the flat cars. By the middle of the afternoon the crossing was once more clear. Then the cardigan crew fell upon it while Jules Rondeau ran the train back to the Laguna Grande yards, dismissed his crew, returned to the mill office, and released the manager. "'You'll pay through the nose for this, you scoundrel,' Sexton whimpered. "'I'll fix you, you traitor.' "'You fix nothing, Monsieur Sexton,' Rondeau replied imperturbably. "'Who is witness Jules Rondeau tie you up? "'Somebody see you, no? "'I guess you don't fix me. "'Sacre! "'I guess you don't try!' End of chapter 36 Recording by Roger Moline